This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. My name is Richard Serrett. This is The Conspiracy Show. We're coming to you live from our flagship station, AM740, Zoomer Radio in Toronto. 50,000 watts of peace and love. Uh, Before we get things rolling, this always pleases me. We have a new affiliate, WRNN-FM Hot Talk 99.5 in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. WRNN-FM Hot Talk 99.5 Myrtle Beach. Welcome aboard. Uh, Tim Spreen is here. Albert Vinzel is here as per usual. Uh, Albert has posted some tasty little tidbits and information bombs up at the website, richardserrett.com. Let me spell it for you. Richard, and then the last name, Serrett, S as in Simon, Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T.com, richardserrett.com. So up at the top of the uh, the website in the slide carousel, you'll find an assortment of uh, interesting uh, articles, uh, a disturbing story to say the least, in this week's New York Times, titled Psychologists Who Green-Lighted Torture. Uh, The first detailed accounts of the brutal interrogation program the Central Intelligence Agency established after the September 11th attacks noted that psychologists and other medical professionals played key roles in abetting the torture of terrorism suspects. However, much about their role and their degree of responsibility in one of the most macabre and shameful chapters of American history has remained shrouded in secrecy. Uh, Albert has also posted an article from this month's Rolling Stone magazine with the provocative title, Eric Holder, Wall Street Double Agent Comes In From The Cold. That's right, Barack Obama's former top cop, Uh, is cashing in after six years of letting banks run wild. Holder is returning to work for his old Wall Street firm, uh, and uh, that's uh, Covington & Burling. It's a uh, white-collar defense uh, firm. He's just uh, completed one of history's great double agents for six years, while brilliantly disguised as the eternal, uh, Attorney General of the United States, he was actually working deep undercover. DiCaprio in the departed style as the best defense lawyer Wall Street ever had. Uh, now, this is a $2.5 million gig. Oh, at least that's what he was paid the last year he worked there. And uh, he's going to take his seat back in his old office that reportedly, and this is no joke, was kept empty for him in his absence. All right. Uh, now, it's not all doom and gloom. There's an amusing story from Australia, sure to raise a few smiles. The city of Melbourne has assigned trees in that city email addresses so cities can report problems. But instead, 
people are writing thousands of love letters to their favorite trees. My dearest Olmus, that's a type of tree, I guess. One message begins. As I was leaving St. Mary's College today, I was struck, not by a branch, but by your radiant beauty. You must get these messages all the time. You're such an attractive tree. <laughs> Those are just a few of the stories you'll find in the slide carousel at richardserrett.com. And while you're there, why not register, become a member? It's quick, easy, and free. And once you've registered, you gain access to member-only areas like the audio archive section, where you can listen to past shows dating back to the summer of 2012. richardserrett.com. Okay, let's get down to business. I was reading a story a couple of weeks ago about uh, how the Freemasons, the Calgary, Alberta chapter, uh, were holding an open house. This happened back in late June in order to, I guess, allow the public to get up close and personal with this uh, ancient organization. In fact, the mayor of Calgary uh, declared June 24th, every June 24th, to be Freemasons Day. This was an enacted back in 2013. Well, apparently the Masons have come a long way since the, the days of secret handshakes and macabre rituals and blood oaths. Uh, for many, the Freemasons and the Shriners are nothing more than an aging fraternity who uh, hold parades and raise money for children's hospitals. But there are those who insist there is something far more sinister happening behind closed doors, something that, the, that not even the rank and file of Masons and Shriners are aware of. That's where we're headed for the next 45 minutes or so. The Dark Side of Freemasonry. James Robert Wright, 32nd degree, resides in Los Angeles. He's held many positions and decorations in his Masonic lodges, the Scottish Rite. His ancestral roots are traced back to the Spencer, DeVere, Visconti, and St. Clair families, making him Princess Diana's cousin and the great-grandson of half the grandmasters of the historical Knights Templar. James has a background in entertainment production, emergency dispatch, IT support, and then preceding all that formal employ as the envoy to the Supreme Council in Washington, D.C., with carte blanche access to Scottish Rite vaults and archives as special assistant to the Secretary General in Dallas, Texas. From the door to the very top, he unexpectedly uncovered some of the most shocking revelations about this so-called international charitable fraternal service organization. Now, having blown the whistle on the order, James currently finds himself on the front lines in the truth and patriot movements, rallying public awareness on the nature of corruption and manipulation prevalent in society that is directly tied into the vast sweeping network of these Freemasonic secret society cults. A great pleasure to welcome James Robert Wright to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, James? I am excellent. How are you? Very well, sir. Thank you. And we should also point out you'll be a featured speaker at this year's ParanoiaCon 2015. Uh, give us that the details. Where, where and when is that happening? That will be October 16th, 17th, and 18th in Hollywood, right in the central studio district there in between... Um, Sunset Gower and Paramount Studios on Gower Street and Santa Monica, and uh, it's going to feature everything 
A to Z, you know, the, the, your UFOs to your GMOs to uh, basically, and, and in the style of Paranoia Magazine, which is the branding that we're, uh, is, that, that's being carried, uh, it's, it's a magazine that's much more like a, um, I would say like a skeptical inquirer, that it's not uh, crazy out there conspiracy stuff. It, it really aims to get to the get to the top people, get to the best information that there is, the science behind it, and kind of be that that scully to that proverbial molder, if you will. You know, so that's what the event, that's the theme. And uh, we just uh, recently, uh, because of an event I went to, I ran into a NASA JPL uh, quantum physicist and. What he had to say to me blew my mind, and I said, oh, my God, you, you've got to come speak at this event. And then as it, it, as it turns out in a small world, he knows and is good friends with David Sarita, who's already speaking at the event, and uh, it's going to be a really cool thing. And then to have it in Hollywood, and as a matter of fact, it's, it's a funny story real quick, speaking of Freemasons. There's, um, by the, uh, near, near where the, the studio is um, and, and the, the venue is and everything, uh, there's the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, <clears throat> where all of your original silent film stars and everybody have their mausoleums and everything, and now they've turned it into a theme park, and it's basically, you know, movie nights, rock concerts, and all this stuff. On top of the graves, it's just, it's very weird. That's kind of disrespectful. And yes, you, many, especially I think Catholics would agree with that. Um, <laughs> So uh, the front of it is an old Masonic temple. That's like where the offices are that manage the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And uh, whether or not there's Masons in there right now is, is something that really can't be, it's neither here nor there. But what we dug into and found is that the uh, cemetery itself is owned by the Cassidy crime family of Chicago, who all the, the brothers are currently sitting in federal prison for a $450 million Ponzi scheme. So basically these, these holdings of theirs, one of which would be Hollywood Forever Cemetery, is being managed by attorneys and such. And uh, one already sent us a cease and desist uh, order because of a 30-second commercial we filmed with Ron Patton, the, direct, the owner and director of Paranoia Magazine advertising the event, and because we'd filmed on Santa Monica Boulevard and their property was in the shot, they sent us this cease and desist saying that they didn't want anything, quote, to do with paranormal, end quote, and I, I find that uh, laughable because they have absolutely everything to do with the paranormal. When, the, when Dia de los Muertos comes, it's like a block party for the whole stretch there in the cemetery around the, up and down Santa Monica. It's crazy. Right. So right. Uh, let's – James, let, let's just uh, back up a little bit. And your lineage sure. is, is, is fascinating. I mean you are – you come from a long line of, of Freemasons. Uh, in, in fact – um, well, take us take us through the, the family tree a little bit, uh, if you if you can. I mean, it goes back to the, the the some of the Frankish kings, does it not? That's correct. Um, it's it has to do with what uh, some people might uh, have heard of under the, the term Merovingian. It it also goes further back uh, than that. It goes into the Judo Claudian dynasty of Rome. And further back than that, there's there's various theories of where the origins of that are uh, that kind of go different places. But uh, the point is is that yes, there is a such thing as this quote unquote bloodline, and yes, there is 
a lot going on and, and has been for the better part of 2,000-plus uh, traceable years going on with the inter-dealings of that bloodline. You know, for example, like what is the Egyptian Coptic Orthodox Church? That is the church that the Holy Family fled Judea to and formed. So basically you're getting right back into that uh, Jesus and Mary Magdalene subject matter that was popularized with the Da Vinci Code and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And but yeah, we, but it, there's so much truth to it. That's the thing. So, I mean, when you, when you were a young man, did were you approached by uh, – I mean, was it sort of cast in stone, your fate, that you were going to be a Mason? Did you have much choice in the matter? How did you uh, become I mean, a Mason? Well, I suppose I could have run away from home and and bucked the family, you know, with my my uh, my antelope horns and and whatnot, and, and said no. But but it was a tradition, and it was expected. And I have several cousins who were uh, drug-addled wrecks, and so it was kind of like I was the last vestige of you know turning out another good uh, troop from this family. And, All right, we have to, uh, excuse me, James, I'm going to jump in here. We're going to take a time out. Sure. We'll come back with 32nd Degree Freemason, James Robert Wright, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Welcome back. James Robert Wright is with us, 32nd Degree um, Mason, and um, uh, we were talking about when you became a Mason. How old were you, James? Oh gosh, what was I? Uh, Twenty-three, yeah. And and describe if you're able to. Um, I mean, I, I guess, and you're sworn not to divulge these things, but that hasn't stopped you. you oh are, yeah. Uh, the um, what happens? To, walk us through the uh, what happens the, uh, the to the the young initiate uh, on the first night. Well, okay, on the first night you're let in. You know, they put you in this little ante room, and you're. You're dressed in this garb that's like a, uh, basically a white T-shirt and, and some khakis with one of the legs half torn off. And uh, you have the, the uh, noose put around your neck, the cable toe, and, you know, you're uh, hoodwinked, blindfolded, and you're led around the lodge room in this ritual. And anyone with a knowledge of any kind of um, occultism, ritual magic, or whatever would would take a look at inside what's going on in the room and know that those elements are present there in the format and function of the ceremony at hand going on. And to make a long story short, from that progression from entered apprentice to fellow craft to master mason, you're taken as this initiate to this, this builder of the temple to basically uh, the role in the master mason degree, you are Hiram Abyss, which you are uh, killed and buried and then dug up and resurrected. And it much mirrors the story of Christ or uh, <clears throat> several other stories, Osiris, um, etc. So it, it's very, very heavily religious. That's why I, I find it really comical when Freemasons try to assert uh, an official statement that Freemasonry is not a religion. Well, that's an outright lie. I mean, Albert Pike himself admitted that Freemasonry is a religion, quote unquote. So, it's you know, I, I, and I think it's important that I uh, I throw in a bit of a, a disclaimer. You know, every time I say or do anything, there's always some kind of of backlash of some sort from the little monsters that run the place. 
and there's elements of, of this and that and the other that go on, and there's, you know, it's from time to time there's problems with, like, my per- personal security and, and whatnot, but those seem to be well under control at the moment. Um, but <laughs> I digress. They, they don't like it when I do this, and I think it's important to assert that there is a boatload of disinformation out there about all of this. When you hear someone tell you that they are an insider to the Illuminati or an insider to uh, the 13 bloodlines and then this, that, the other, they're lying through their teeth. They're, they're phony, they're fake. You know, people, someone like me, uh, someone like my buddy uh, Fratterex, another Templar, he's out of Boston originally, who's another whistleblower, uh, we're real. We, we can show you our diplomas and our medals and our uh, a genealogy that's academically stamped and sealed and approved, and you know we're, we're the real deal, the genuine thing. And there's a lot of people. It, it's very strange to go from that environment and then to be flung into this environment of 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 public speaking and talking about it, and your life cha- changes 180 degrees in something you never expected, and then you have to deal with the consequences of that as they come, and you you then. You, you get involved in this business, and you find elements inside of it that confirm what you already knew it was going on to start with. It con- confirms that suspicion that there is uh, control mechanisms in place throughout various, not, not everywhere, but throughout anywhere that they can get their claws into and try to control a mainstream media outlet or uh, any other type of source of intel or, or what have you. So... That's the problem. Well, uh, and a you, lot of Masons. I'm sorry. No, I, I was just going to say you mentioned Albert Pike, uh, who is considered sure. to be the the father of modern Freemasonry, and and uh, we're all familiar with his book Morals and Dogma of Freemasonry. And uh, he writes, Masonry, like all religions, all the mysteries conceals its secrets from all except the adepts and sages or the elect and use false explanations and misrepresentations of its symbols to mislead those who only deserve to be misled. Is it fair to say uh, that the rank and file um, um, Masons... And uh, I, I don't know if we're, what we're talking if we're talking about the blue degrees or below. Uh, but the rank and file have no idea what's going on in the upper echelons of, of Freemasonry or the Shriners. Correct. They are what I would equate to industry fodder. They're there working for free to support an organization that already has five hundred one c two and c three tax exempt status. So, therefore, they have a 99%, except the Supreme Council ourselves, that what I worked on, and I was one of the, you know, one in, one in five million Masons in America that was earning a paycheck out of a grouping of these 33 men and their assistants. So, very, very rare. And, and no one, you know, 33rd degree, the, the degrees beyond, you could, you could never, ever hope to get to where I was at within that position. And that was selected because of family reasons i was hand-picked like a little golden boy if you will and hand-groomed and they the working conditions began okay but they deteriorated rapidly over time and the more i got to know these men running the place on a personal level behind the scenes behind closed doors 
I came to know them as very sinister and manipulative and diabolical men and who put on this happy face and go cut ribbons and hand over novelty-sized checks to children's hospitals and things. But behind the scenes, it is this mad, cutthroat quest for power. And they do have a lot of power. It's in their power of networking. Who can they reach that is of rank and file, as you said? Well, I mean, it used to be said, you know, and I, there was a time uh, when, you know, you couldn't rise to the ranks in certain police departments, fire departments, unless you were a Mason. Um, but is that still the case? Um, in larger, or, well, yes, yes, it is the case, uh, because there's, uh, on my own website, dialinformation.weebly.com, there's uh, podcast number three that I did. I aired leaked audio that I can't, for reasons of the sensitivity of the victims involved in it, uh, at this time divulge the names involved in you know, the perpetrators. But uh, so the censored version is up there, but it's it's quite shocking. It's perhaps one of the most shocking things to ever, ever, ever come out publicly about Freemasonry, and it's largely been glossed over because they spend a great deal of time trying to detract attention away from me when I'm simply trying to bring information out and make people aware of what's really going on. Because my conclusion from my tenure there is that the the problems began to bring Albert Pike back up real quick. They began around his time, and that's when the place went haywire out of control. And So the 1870s, the latter half of the 19th century. Correct. When you started seeing these opulent Scottish Rite temples going up in every major city across America. All right. That's, that's the time period. Now, when, when I look at... Um, you know, Masonic lodges and, and, and the people that are that are trying to get in or become a uh, become a member. I mean, they are an eight. They seem to be, and you disabuse me of this notion, James, and I'm sure you will. But they seem to be kind of an aging fraternity um, that that you know can barely organize a parade, and and yet, I mean, I, I certainly believe they had considerable influence and may still in some jurisdictions, but. It's it's hard for me to wrap my head around the idea that this aging group um, could wield such power these days. Set me set me straight on that. I would say that that is largely because that aging group still much uh, retains that power uh, with, with whatever positions they held. Whatever that was, perhaps one was a judge, perhaps one was a senator, perhaps one was a a big. Uh, capital management financier type CPA person. Uh, the list goes on and on uh, from all walks of life. Maybe the person was high up uh, in the ecclesiastical capacity, uh, like a mega church uh, leader or something. Yeah, the list goes on and on. And that's another thing is you have <clears throat> movements like Mormonism and everything, which I think a lot of Mormons have themselves forgot that their leader, Joseph Smith, was a Mason. And the basis of the Mormon ritual is the Mason ritual. And that's why they point-blank shot Joseph Smith in the face and killed him when he did, created the Mormon uh, Church of Latter-day Saints movement. They were so angry at it. So you, you have a, And that occurred shortly after the William Morgan affair, and that's what threw Freemasonry into a tailspin. 
and Albert Pike arose and claimed to have cleaned it up. Now, bearing in mind, and we ought to add, actually interject this into the conversation for another reason, because there's this talk right now in the media of the Confederate flag having just come down and everything. Well, then, I think Albert Pike's statue in D.C. needs to also come down, because let's not forget this man was a convicted war criminal, and he fled those charges and lived out the rest of his life in Canada. He was a known pedophile. He was a known uh, necrophiliac. This, this is all documented stuff. He wrote the ritual for the KKK. This was not a pleasant guy to be around or to have any to do with. And he, he was pretty much the, the, the reformer, the founder, kind of, of the, the Scottish Rite, which gave Freemasonry a sudden renovation and changed its perception in the eyes of the public, which, bearing in mind at the time information traveled much slower, a lot, you know, generations had died off. People had forgotten the William Morgan affair, the Joseph Smith thing, and it, it got a reboot. But it got a reboot under this, what they call the Pike Revision ritual. And that's where, like I said, everything went haywire. And it's no longer anything to do with the Templars, anything to do with things you would uh, call like the Priory of Sion, it's, it exists. These, these things are real. And once you de-Hollywoodize it and you, you bring out the facts and, and set aside the phonies and the people who are looking for their 15 minutes of fame, I mean, there's, there's droves of them who, who will claim that they're inside of this, inside of that, right. have no proof, no right. nothing. You mentioned that you were paid one of the few uh, – Working members of, of Freemasonry. What, 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 was your job? Stubs, what, yes. <laughs> what was your job? What was your job? What were you supposed to do for the Freemasons? The job title was special assistant to the Secretary General. So I was his direct assistant when he couldn't always be there or perhaps didn't want to be there. And this is so in I Washington. Was D- this was in Washington D.C. The building in Dallas. Oh, in Dallas, Texas. All right. Yes. And was this, was this York Rite or Scottish Rite Mason? Mason Scottish Rite. Scottish Rite. All right. But Scottish Rite has basically taken over York Rite here in America. There's a split that's occurred between what you would call English, Queen's, York Rite, Freemasonry, UGLE, United Grand Lodge of England, and what the former association and, and patents were with American York Rite Freemasonry. They, know, they have been disinherited. There's a big schism going on. It's like, it's like a family squabble. You can equate it to a soap opera. All right. Now, when, when Albert Pike in Morals and Dogma or other um, <clears throat> Masons are talking about uh, the light bearer and the sun of the morning, uh, it has been argued that that they're really this is a Luciferian doctrine that that uh, the Freemasons are worshiping Satan. What what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, I can tell you from direct witness testimony that uh, when the Masons put on a public face and play like they have Christian leanings, or perhaps this lodge over here might have uh, Judaic leanings or this one have Muslim leanings or, or whatever, uh, that's just simply not true. You're allowed to walk in there. They claim that one of the requirements to join is you have to be monotheistic, a belief in one God. And yet they allow people to come in there and place their hands on the holy books of Thelema, written by Aleister Crowley, 
and take their oaths on that as their Bible, if you will, or any other, or the Satanic Bible, if that's their preference. That's that's gone on in lodges, not not every lodge. I'm talking about a small percentage here. I'm not trying to demonize. Most of them are good. Most of them don't know or have a clue what's going on because they see those smiling faces cutting those ribbons. And all that's it. All right, James. We will take another time out. Stay where you are. We'll get back to our discussion. The Dark Side of Freemasonry. James Robert Wright, a 32nd degree. Joining us live from Los Angeles right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay a while. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Welcome back. I, uh, I neglected to mention we are doing another Google Hangout, an HOA. Just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and at or near the top of the feed, you'll find a link to our HOA. Just click on that, and you are in the inner sanctum, uh, so to speak. James Robert Wright, 32nd Degree Mason, my guest, coming to us live from L.A., and uh, we've linked up to James's uh, website. Uh, just click on his name when you get to richardserrett.com under t- tonight's uh, show. Click on uh, James' name, and that'll link you right to his website. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Masonic hierarchy, um, this, uh, this pyramid. Uh, so at the bottom, I'm, I'm guessing you've got Sort of the rank and file, the Blue Lodge Masons. Uh, sort of around the corner neighborhood Blue Lodges, yes. Right, right. We've seen those in just about every town and city. Uh, where does it take us up the um, up the pyramid, if you will? Well, you have that tier. <clears throat> you have the. It's kind of a splintering because you have the York Rite facet, you have the Scottish Rite facet, and now you have the Shrine, which recently took an interesting turn because it was dying off so badly. It used to be that you had to be a Knight Templar York Rite and 32nd Scottish Rite to be eligible to then join the Mystic Shrine. And because their membership was going down so badly, not only did they make it admission free, but they wiped out those clauses and said that, okay, now you, you can just be a Master Mason and, and join and blah, blah. And uh, the same is the case for the York Rite. They, they've been... It's, this is the Scottish Rite's doing, mind you. They, they've been consolidating their power. They've taken over the key positions within the York Rite and the Shrine. So it, it's been an invasion of sorts from within. You see these, these secret societies have been battling this stuff out for millennia. It's no joke. And it's serious stuff, and they're absolutely serious about it. But I think... Largely, the problem right now, in as of 2015, is you've got a lot of again charlatans who have infiltrated it because they're they're what you would equate to a social climber, somebody who is just cutthroat by nature, who's joined the organization because they want to ruthlessly climb to the top as a, a leader in their community and be in in charge of something, run something, what have you. Right, and they will abuse that system for that. Okay, that so so you've got the Blue Lodge, then you've got the Scottish Rite or York Rite, then you've got the Shriners, and then atop the Shriners, above the Shriners, uh, what do you have? The thirty third degree. Well, they all have their management apparatuses, but uh, on the the Scottish Rite, you have the Supreme Council of the the thirty third, and it you have the Northern Jurisdiction, which covers the thirteen states that comprise the original thirteen colonies and in the southern jurisdiction, which takes in everything else, not just the rest of the U.S., but everything 
globally, which is interesting. Okay, so and let's move up because then we get then we're getting into some things that people probably haven't heard of. Most of us heard of the you know the uh, the uh, the thirty third degree and and the Supreme Council of the Grand Sovereign and so forth. But now we're getting into things like the Order of the Trapezoid. What pray tell is the Order of the Trapezoid, James? Have you There's a million that? of these types, but that's not one I ever particularly oh. uh, joined. But I'll, I'll give you an example. Like one I was uh, that I had dealings with was the Royal Order of the Duck, like as in quack quack duck. Uh, and all that was was for any of the thirty-second degree Masons who had any knowledge of stagecraft, like I do. That that's what I went to school for was technical theater. And any anybody that had a knowledge of that was supposed to join that sub 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 order, you know, and get together and plan <clears throat> the degree presentations, because the, the, the fourth through the 32nd, and then, of course, the 33rd, and even the KCCH degree, 32.5 in between, are all put on like little one-act play operas. So you're not really even involved in it at that point as the candidate. You're just in an opulent opera house watching this uh, Victorian sort of performance put on. But isn't above that, isn't, I mean, aren't there ancient and primitive rites that go all the way up to something like 97 degrees? Well, that's the problem, is when you start taking all these little individual suborders and you start adding up all the various total of degrees of all of them that are intertwined and everything, you, you're, you're getting up into the hundred, hundreds. Right. So it's, oh. it's impossible to tabulate because some of them are defunct, some of them might have that one or two last remaining active members that, that aren't doing any, anything with it. So it's, it's difficult to track that, but they can definitely track uh, what any Mason is doing in uh, his Blue Lodge or elsewhere in his Masonic dealings with the, the main three, you know, the, the, the York Rite, the Scottish Rite, the Shrine. Right. And as powerful as some of these individuals may be and, and have great influence... Uh, they are mere foot soldiers, I guess, in terms of the next level, which is the Illuminati, correct? Well, <laughs> that brings up a whole other uh, Pandora's box there, because this word Illuminati uh, is something that I would conclude, for my expertise, is largely disinformation. Because, yes, there was an Illuminati, but they caused so much outrage so fast that the German government in 1782, 86, whatever, uh, broke them up, and <clears throat> the members splintered up and went in all various directions. So therefore, those members went and joined up with all the other kids on the block. Some of that was Freemasonry. Some of that was Scottish Rite Freemasonry. Some of it was uh, the OTO. Some of it was the Rosicrucians. Some of it was the Mormon stuff going on and and the list goes on and on and on what a, what a tangled web we weave you know indeed all right we've got that music percolating up again which uh, this is a short segment we'll take a quick time out come back and uh, finish up with james robert wright 32nd degree mason right here on the conspiracy show stay with us fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position you're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, 
AM 740. Welcome back. Last uh, segment with James Robert Wright right here on The Conspiracy Show. He's a 32nd degree Mason. Um, True or false, James, that a a Mason uh, swears an oath never to testify against another Mason in court. Well, murder and treason alone accepted, and those left at my option is the way that the oath reads. So, yes, you are expected to lie for your brother, murder and treason alone accepted, but those left at your option. Those left at your option. Explain that That part. is the direct quotation. That's from Morals and Dogma? That's from the oath of the Master Mason degree. Ah, okay. And does that does that uh, oath extend down to the Blue Lodge, or is that for the that Scottish? For the Blue Lodge, yes, it does. And and I mean, how seriously uh, is one expected to take that oath? Well, that depends on I think the psychology of the individual involved. There's been Masons who have taken it to very serious levels, such as that Norway shooter. Uh, with Anders Breivik, went, went crazy, claimed it was all for the, the Templars, and yet the whole entire time he was wearing all the Scottish Rite insignia. Uh, there was a Mason, uh, oh gosh, what is his name? I wish I had the, I could see, um, um, I'd, I'd have to pull out the paperwork from, from my old lodge. Uh, old story uh, that broke uh, earlier this year in Dallas, uh, one of the Masons from my own mother lodge that I was initiated in, walked up and, and shot a little boy about playing in his yard at point-blank range in, in the face. It just, it, 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 and to, oh, Brian Cloninger, that was his name. If you Google Brian Cloninger with a C, uh, shooting Dallas, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, but it, it's, it's a story that's fallen under the cracks, and then you've you got to ask yourself, why would you have a story like the Trayvon Martin thing, where it came out that Trayvon Martin's father was a mason of high rank within the Prince Hall delegation, and that was so over-publicized. And yet, <clears throat> somebody who was nobody, a child, was shot in the face by, by a mason, and it, the news broke, but then the news, it was, you know, uh-oh, and a, a scrub job was done, and, and a whitewash went over it, and I'm sure the family's likely been paid off and offered free medical care at the Scottish Rite Hospital for Children right there in Dallas. So, well, if, if a judge on the bench is a Mason and the, the person uh, that, that has been um, charged with a crime that's on trial is a Mason, would the judge have to recuse himself in that situation? That's a good question. Uh, would you like me to name a name? Uh, I'd rather not. Okay, well, let's say then, hypothetically, a state judge in Texas sitting on the payroll of the Scottish Rite in Dallas for no apparent reason, plus his wife, 30 years his junior, uh, is the director of public relations for the building, because they rent it out for functions and, uh, you know, as a venue and and so forth. So you have... Lots of high-level connections like that. You have a thing down in Houston called uh, Tranquility Lodge Number Two Thousand. This is the lodge that was established on the moon, 
and they meet, you know, all the astronauts belong to this lodge, uh, whether the former director, the, the guy with the top job, as I call it, the head of the, the Scottish Rite Supreme Council, top guy, sovereign grand commander is his title, uh, in the 80s was a guy named Fred Pinect. His brother was the director of NASA. So what is this fascination with the space program, the fact that these astronauts are all masons, there's two flags that fly on the moon, one is the American, the other is the purple Scottish Rite flag. Yeah, there's a lot, of, fact. a lot of Masonic imagery in the whole Apollo program, isn't there? Absolutely. It, it's all over everywhere. But I think, there, see, there, there again, you have disinformation now because you'll have people, I see statements made on the Internet, for example, that say something like, Jay-Z and Beyonce are the king and the queen of the Illuminati. I can't begin to tell you, Richard, how ridiculous that is. Okay, that's, that's a Hollywood marketing gimmick at its finest, all right, to make them demigods and sell their albums and, and so forth. So that's, that's just that stuff taking its own kind of a, of a b bizarre life onto itself. That has nothing to do with the actual men. And that's the thing, is when you're, you're delving through this world and this web of, of intricate disinformation, a lot of it is, is, has covert uh, military intel uh, aspects and connections to it. You, I mean, the, the CIA recruit directly from the, the halls of the 32nd degree Masons. So I, I could have potentially, if I would have stayed a good little soldier, gone that route, you know, but I divorced that environment. And why didn't you become a good little soldier and move on to become a 33rd degree? Why did you get out? Because it, the relationship that I had with that establishment had become far too abusive. They were commanding me to work upwards of 90 hours a week. I was practically having to live in the building, which was creepy, to say the least. Uh, the list goes on and on, being screamed at all the time for doing... Any, any time anything in the building did not come off perfectly, then, it was, then I was always that whipping boy, the, the one that the ton of bricks came down on and that everybody loved to hate. Well, uh, so it's, it was the working conditions. I mean, it, was, it had nothing to do with the uh, uh, what have some have said, or the you know the Luciferian doctrine of of Freemasonry. It had nothing to do with their uh, well their, actually, their quest for it, it, power and influence. Had to do with, I, I was not very accepting of that. Um, not only that, there are a great deal of what I would deem closeted homosexuals within the ranks of Freemasonry, and I encountered that on a daily basis working in that job in that capacity. That's when I learned that little secret. And I think a lot of, a lot of them had a problem that an openly gay man was serving in that capacity on the Supreme Council. Not only that, but I was the first person under the age of 50 to ever hold an office with the Council. So it was unheard of. So you were, and it was causing you, a lot of commotion within. It was difficult for you as an openly gay male in in the Supreme Council, right? And that caused a lot of very um, tumultuous plotting and anti-gay rhetoric to occur with the water cooler chat and so forth. And uh, it sort of started to be just run rampant to where even my boss, the Secretary General, could not control it.
What is the what is the end game uh, uh, here? What I, I mean, we don't have a lot of time. Obviously, we're, uh, we're we're skipping over a lot of things. Uh, regrettably, we only have an hour. But well, I mean, what what right. do they uh, what are they what's their their objective? The, the the Freemasons, the higher echelons. I think people should be highly concerned at the moment because it looks as if it may actually come to pass. It's exactly like Albert Pike wrote in that letter. Uh, that's funny. If you Google Albert Pike Three World Wars, he wrote a letter, and I think it's 1871. Uh, describing what needed to happen to bring about this one world order. And, you know, you could argue that two, two different ways. The universe is a duality, Richard, and that's the, the royal secret of the 32nd degree of Freemasonry. Spoil alert, you know, <laughs> equilibrium. That's the big secret. The unveiling with the da-da, equilibrium. Yeah, well, that's true, though. It's, the universe is a duality. Everything good can exist with evil. It's, it's a, a dilemma of the dimension that we live in. So that being said, there are those who try very methodically and, and harshly to get to high places, and those that are good don't possess those qualities to cut throats and stab backs to get to those positions. So consequently, the psychopaths do, and it's a problem that can't be fixed. And if you read Albert Pike's document, The Three World Wars, considering it was written in 1871, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure it was 71, um, yes, yes, it was. World War One and Two came off exactly as he prescribed, and Three is now unfolding before our eyes, exactly as he prescribed about <clears throat> the Christians and the Muslims going at it, the Muslims and the Jews going at it, and all of them just mutually destroying each other, and then out of the ashes like that, like a phoenix rises, this Masonic religion, one unified Masonic religion. And Luciferian, you're convinced? I'm convinced, yes. Is it, is it possible uh, to become, uh, let's say, president uh, or senator or, or uh, a member of Congress or secretary of state without being a Mason? Uh, um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, People like to talk about Skull and Bones. There's other fraternities on the Yale campus like Book and Snake. Right. There, a lot of the guys on the Supreme Council actually went to college at Tulane. So, again, uh, there's so much disinformation out there, and they love to point the finger in the wrong direction and send people looking that way when the information is all hidden at right in plain sight. And these guys all operate right in plain sight in these buildings, in these temples. The, the, head, the headquarters in D.C. is right by the White House. Why is Albert Pike's statue up? He's a Confederate war criminal. They just took down that flag. I think his statue should come tumbling down like Saddam's, you know. Now, um, when you say, you mentioned the skull and bones, are they related? Uh, it, it, does it have in, Masonic in the roots? That a bunch of, of wealthy families, uh, children uh, who are Masons attend, you, you could draw a correlation. But does Skull and Bones exclusively control the planet? No, that that's absurd. It is interesting uh, when you look at the the the, uh, the lineage, uh, the ancestry of of presidents. Uh, they're all you, you, related. You, even you have to look at it. Yes, even they're even all, President Ob- related is true. Obama apparently is a distant cousin of Dick Cheney, one of yes, his fiercest Dick critics. Wife admitted that publicly. One of his fiercest critics. He is, um, I'm related to him. I can tell you right here in a second. I can pull it up. You're related to yeah. whom? Obama or Obama. Cheney? Obama. Both. It's, it's all bloodline. 
you're you're really not going to go anywhere in politics without it, and you're really not going to go anywhere in Hollywood without it. That's why do you think they call it the red carpet? Red is the symbol for for royal. Amazing, amazing. Uh, there was a a lot of rumor, uh, conspiracy theory. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the um, uh, was it the president of Nintendo in in Japan? Did you hear about this? Some are claiming that I he, did not. he 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 passed away, and some are are, are laying the blame at the Freemasons. I I I, um, I didn't know if you had heard about that. No, but as a, as a kid that grew up on Nintendo, I'd be highly interested to hear the details. And uh, by the way, he is uh, my tenth cousin, once removed. President Barack Obama is your tenth cousin. How many, once that is removed? Correct. Once removed. And uh, you mentioned that you're related to Princess Diana. You're also related to Abraham Lincoln, correct? I'm related to you. You can go when you you asked me the question earlier in the program about uh, the the Frankish kings and all you you all of them. Yes, your 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 Dagobert, your Charlemagne, uh, Clovis. All of them, and and going all the way back into the the Julio the the Julii, excuse me, uh, the Julio Claudians, your your uh, Octavian, his mother Attia, you know, as they portrayed it in the HBO series Rome, that's all historically accurate. So again, it's it's this bloodline. We're we're living in modern Rome, and the same bloodline is in power. It's that simple. All right, I. Um... I've, this has been a fascinating hour. We'll have to do some more. Uh, I, I hope you'd be good to, to join us again sometime, James. I would enjoy that very much, yes. Please. James Robert Wright, 32nd degree Mason whistleblower. And uh, we will definitely have uh, James back on the program. All right. Uh, don't forget the website. Your portal to The Conspiracy Show is richardserrett.com, S-Y-R-E-T-T dot com. And uh, while you're there, make sure you click on the uh, the blue member button up on the uh, the left hand uh, corner, and that will uh, its registration is quick, it's easy, and it is free. You don't have to register to use a lot of the website, but if you want that special backstage access, then uh, become a member. And always say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. Follow the truth. Live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Well, hey there. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your RV, your taxi, your long-haul truck, your cabin in the woods, off the grid, no doubt. You may be listening in on your crystal radio set, or perhaps you're listening in on our flagship station, Zuma Radio, here in Toronto, or online at zoomaradio.ca. Maybe you're listening in on one of our affiliates like WRNN-FM Hot Talk 99.5 in Myrtle Beach. You may be listening uh, to the uh, podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, TalkZone.com. Or uh, you're listening in on our new app, our brand new app, The Conspiracy Show. It's a free download available at iTunes and Google Play. However, and wherever you're listening, welcome one and all. Uh, hey, next week, George Norrie, host of Coast to Coast AM, will be here to answer your questions. And George will be uh, coming to Toronto next month. We'll talk about that. 
uh, all things paranormal and conspiratorial. We'll talk about George's new online matchmaking service, ParanormalDate.com. And uh, we'll take your calls as well. That's my good pal George Norrie, host of Coast to Coast AM next week, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Now, as you're listening uh, to the sound of my voice, an asteroid uh, believed to be carrying, get this, up to 90 million tons of platinum in its core, as well as other rare and precious metals, is swooshing past our planet. A platinum asteroid. Uh, This news has left uh, developers of asteroid mining technologies most intrigued. The platinum-rich asteroid, uh, officially named 2011 UW-158. Can't they think of more interesting names for these asteroids? Anyway, uh, this one, again, 90 million tons of platinum in its core is 452 meters by 1,011 meters in size. And it will pass Earth at a distance of an estimated 2.4 million kilometers. This is according to the Goldstone Radar Observatory. And it will be 30 times closer to Earth than the closest planet of the solar system, which is relatively close. However, uh, when the asteroid does pass, and it may have already, it it, uh, will be six times further away than the moon's orbit. So it's uh, going to be impossible to see uh, with the naked eye. And if you don't own a telescope, fear not. The SLU Community Observatory is undertaking a project which links powerful telescopes to the Internet for public use, and they'll broadcast images of the mineral-rich asteroid from an observatory in the Canary Islands. How cool is that? 90 million tons of platinum. All right, let's get to it. Now, regular listeners to The Conspiracy Show are familiar with my fascination with time travel. I absolutely love talking about time travel, reading about it. I've had numerous discussions with theoretical physicists on this program, like... My good friend, Professor Ronald Mallet at the University of Connecticut, who has devised a theoretical time machine for sending digital information backwards in time. A time travel to the future has already been proven, theoretically, of course. Well, not theoretically. Uh, with the Hafeli uh, Keating experiment, where they used four cesium atomic clocks, uh, Hafel and uh, Keating, oh, they, well, Hafel was an astron- a physicist and Keating was an astronomer. They took these four cesium beam atomic clocks aboard commercial airliners and they flew twi- twice around the world, first eastward, then westward, and then they compared the clocks against others that remained at the U.S. Naval Observatory. And when they were unite- reunited, the three sets of clocks were found to disagree with one another. And their differences were consistent with the predictions of special and general relativity, thus proving time traveled into the future is possible. But we're talking about nanoseconds. However, throw all that away, because my next guest says that the U.S. government has been conducting time travel and teleportation experiments backwards and forwards in time, for nearly half a century. If that sounds crazy, 
too fantastical to imagine, hold on to your hats because you are in for a wild ride over the next 40 minutes. Andrew Bishago has been identified as the first of two major planetary whistleblowers predicted by Alta, the WebBot project that analyzes the content of the World Wide Web to discern future trends. Andrew's quest is to lobby the U.S. government to disclose its teleportation secret that so, so that teleportation can be adopted on a global basis to help humanity achieve planetary sustainability in the 21st century. Andrew is also president of Mars Anomaly Research Society, the world's leading research, education, disclosure, and advocacy organization dedicated to fostering the study and protection of the ecology and civilization of Mars. Andrew Bashego, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Do we have Andrew there? I think, oh, I think he just dropped off the line. Now, the first time I met Andrew... Uh, he was staying with a friend up in Olympia, Washington. And uh, my television crew and I, we raced from Los Angeles all the way. We drove all night to get to, uh, to Andrew's place to interview him. That was for season one of our uh, television show, The Conspiracy Show. If you haven't seen that episode on time travel, uh, you'll be sure to uh, want to check that out. Now, if you're in Canada, you can watch it online or on Vision TV, of course across Canada on Vision TV. Uh, it's also available online, the first three seasons, at theconspiracyshow.com, www.theconspiracyshow.com. Again, that was season one. And uh, since then, I think Andrew have, and I have chatted on uh, the radio once or twice, but it's been a while, and we're delighted to have him back. Andrew Bashego, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Good to be back, Richard. I think it's been, what, four years since uh, I had the privilege of being interviewed you by you on uh, on video. Uh, that's right. We did the TV in, show, uh, in season one. Wa in Washington State. That's right. It was four years ago for the TV, and then I think subsequently we had you uh, back on the radio once, but it, it has been too long. So what's going on with the uh, Mars Anomaly Research Society these days? Well, that's never really been my primary function. Mars continues to be the world's leading um, public investigation group focusing on the fact that Mars shows great evidence of once being inhabited and also great evidence that it remains inhabited today. Um, I've been focusing for most of these years on my truth campaign regarding time travel. Sure, and Project Pegasus. Called Project Pegasus. Now, I mentioned um, that the U.S. government or some black ops project within the U.S. government has been involved in teleportation, time travel, I said nearly half a century. Is that accurate? Well, we can say that the effort to do so occurred beginning years ago during the 1960s frame. We don't know how it ended, if, if in fact it ended at all, but I was present um, at the inception of the U.S. government's activities um, and applied quantum physics that was intended to yield a time-space exploration capability, and that was DARPA's project, um, which it got down 
Now, Andrew, uh, excuse me, but you're, you're, I'm not sure if you're on a cell phone or a wireless phone, but it is, uh, you're cutting in and out. Uh, I, I think what we're going to have to do is... I was just plugging in. I'm in rural Arizona. Ah, rural Arizona, okay. There may be intermittent coverage. Um, and uh, that has been the focus of my truth campaign, is the fact that time travel is not a potentiality. It's a reality that was achieved secretly by the United States government uh, in different ways over 40 years ago, and essentially the effort to do so was a secret twin enterprise of Project Manhattan, which of course was the government program to develop the atomic bomb. Many of the same physicists um, assisted the United States government during the war and later um, in developing and, and how are Manhattan and Pegasus uh, related? Was was the the teleportation time travel kind of an ancillary uh, development once they conducted the uh, the nuclear blasts? Did they discover that they could they could? Whoop! Now we have lost Andrew. All right, he is in rural Arizona, and uh, communication lines are a little tenuous. But uh, Tim Spreen is working feverishly in the other room to try and uh, re-establish contact. Just a reminder, Andrew Bishago is with us. He was the team leader of Project Pegasus, uh, involved in a U.S. government teleportation time travel experiment uh, over 40 years ago. And again, identified as the first of two major planetary whistleblowers predicted by Alta. This is a webbot project that analyzes the content of uh, the uh, the World Wide Web to discern future trends. And um, while he is president of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, his main objective or main focus these days is to get the U.S. government to to disclose its teleportation secret, uh, so that it can be adopted on a global basis to help humanity achieve planetary sustainability in the 21st century. Now, while we're waiting for uh, Tim to reestablish comment, uh, contact with Andrew, let me just remind you, uh, again, coming up next week on the program, we have George Norrie of Coast to Coast AM. Yes, one and the same. My good pal George Norrie will be with us next week on the show, and uh, he's coming to Toronto. Uh, this is an event that is um, uh, being presented in part by our good friends Patrick and Kadena at Conspiracy Culture. And uh, if you go to their website, conspiracyculture.com, all the information is there. But George is also bringing to town some heavyweights. Uh, George is, uh, has uh, Alex Jones, of course, Alex Jones, Nick Pope, uh, and uh, I think there's a few other guests. But uh, Alex and Nick and uh, George will all be taking the stage at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. So... You want to uh, check in with us next week. George will be talking about all things paranormal, conspiratorial. We'll talk about paranormaldate.com and much more. All right, we will uh, take a quick time out, try and reconnect with Andrew Bashago, and uh, we'll hope for the best right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. 
All right. We have uh, lost Andrew Bashago, and uh, he's uh, in rural Arizona. And as we discovered, the uh, the phone connection was not good. Now, we will uh, try and we, do we have Andrew back? Andrew, are you there? Let's try one more time. We're going to lock him in. Tim is uh, dialing him again. All right. Do we have Andrew? Andrew, are you there? I am. I, I'm in fact, I'm in Cholo, Arizona, and I, I just want you to know as a professional courtesy, Richard, that I did um, I did establish this line and, and test it. So it just seems to be um, the floating coverage that was provided by my carrier, but I was I was good to go. All right. Well, we've we've got you back, Andrew. That that's that's okay. Let's let's um uh because it's been a while since we've had you on, and and others may not be uh, as familiar with the story. Um, just give us a, a quick overview of of your involvement in Project Pegasus in the nineteen early nineteen seventies. It was brought in as a child participant. Um, Project Pegasus was under DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Project Projects Agency, which. Whose, whose legislative mandate from the U.S. Congress was and, and is primarily to prevent military surprise. Um, our government was concerned following the July 1952 flight of Washington, D.C., when extraterrestrial craft blocked at traveling at 7,000 miles per hour and also seen disappearing in one location and appearing in another another location in the sky, that our extraterrestrial visitors were in possession of teleportation and apparently were using time travel uh, to reach our, our solar system and planet from distant star systems. So concern early on during the post-war saucer flat that we should develop a time-space exploration capability. There had been an effort by Nikola Tesla to develop teleportation as early as his famous day in Colorado Springs, Colorado in 
416-360-0740. And toll free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. Again, in the greater Toronto area, 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, and toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Just about anything goes. Keeping in mind, of course, on the program we discuss the paranormal, the conspiratorial, political subterfuge, uh, deep politics, geopolitics. You tell me where you want to take this juggernaut, right on through till morning. Now, we can talk about uh, Jade Helm. I'd be very interested to hear from uh, some of our American listeners. What have you, what have you been observing in terms of uh, this military maneuver in the uh, Southwest under the code name Jade Helm 15? Of course, many people very worried uh, that Jade Helm 15 is some sort of precursor to martial law. Uh, what do you see? What do you hear? What do you know regarding Jade Helm 15? All right, we're, t- we're, we're beginning with uh, whom, Tim? Margaret uh, is in Pickering. Margaret, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? It's about your previous subject, about the Masonry. Ah, yes. Well, isn't the Queen of England in the Masons? Doesn't she have these rites performed? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean... I know. Well, the... I thought I saw that in a book sometime, but I can't recall it. Well, I'll certainly look into that. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some, you know, the, the, the Windsor family has connections with the mm-hmm. York Rite or the Scottish Rite, probably mm-hmm. the York Rite. Uh, what do you make of uh, these uh, recent uh, photographs that have been published and causing quite a stir in, uh, in England in the, uh, all the, uh, the newspapers there? Uh, yes. Pictures yes. Of, of a young Queen Elizabeth, uh, her uncle Edward, of course, who would, uh, was king and then abdicated the throne, and the Queen Mum, all learning the Nazi salute in 1933. I guess he thought they were going to win. You thought that he was preparing <laughs> in case they were going to win. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it certainly uh, caused quite a commotion over there. It certainly did. All right, Margaret, I will look nice into that. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. Margaret in Pickering. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, uh, Peter is checking in from Buffalo. Peter, good morning. Hi, Richard. Great show you have. Uh, I think you got my email a while a while ago saying that um, I, uh, for the longest time, was tempted to send George Norrie an email saying you've got fierce competition here in the Toronto-Buffalo area. And then, surprise, surprise, you came on the air one night on Coast to Coast and said, oh, it's been a while, 10 years since I've hosted the show. So that was really a surprise to me. Ah. It wasn't one. Yes, it was but actually it was about five years in between shows. And then I started doing a couple of shows a month uh, starting in January of 2014 and still doing them. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think you do a great job both on your show and um, Coast to Coast. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, we're looking forward to having George on this program next week. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm hoping to talk to him directly. Uh, I will try to call in uh, then. Um, you know what I called you about is um, a lot of times I hear uh, over the years, uh, many years that I've been listening to uh, shows like yours and George's is um, uh, when you guys talk about um, certain um, uh, spiritual type things. I guess you could call them. Uh, I right away think of a book that I read. Um, quite a while ago, called, uh, may I mention it? 
Sure, absolutely. Uh, okay, it's called Spiritual Seekers Guidebook, and the uh, subtitle is uh, "And Hidden Threats to Spiritual and Mental Freedom" by Richard Keeninger. I guess is how it's pronounced. Uh, Art Bell uh, interviewed uh, the author um, in September of '99, uh, one time for an hour. Um, just so you know, he, he was a real person. He's since passed away, but um, I was pretty impressed by that book. Um, you know, just um, you know, uh, I'm not just, familiar. I'm not familiar with the book. Well, um, yeah, it's um, you know, he gives uh, quite a few um, cautions about pursuing um, certain uh, uh, you know spiritual, I guess you call them practices. Uh, but basically, he says, you know, the slow um, character development route is like the time-honored way to uh, to achieve these abilities. And, and what abilities in particular are we talking about? Well, things uh, like um, being able to um, see future events. And I guess, you know, when you start to um, uh, develop these and other abilities, uh, it's not like a, a complete on-off switch. It's just a little little bit at a time um, and also um, to detect people's character um, apparently um, I think he only wrote um, about seeing like their aura around them um, things things like that um, it's been a while since I've read it but um, all right so things that we might we might categorize as a psychic ability or ESP yeah right right well um, uh, I, I certainly believe the problem with that is there are so many uh, charlatans out there. Of course. Uh, and I would say they probably outnumber uh, <laughs> the authentic individuals that really have this ability, uh, probably something on the order of a thousand to one. Mm. Uh, and I have met yeah. people that I think are, are gifted uh, this way. Uh, I, I remember um, uh, meeting Russell Targ, uh, who was part of the uh, the Stanford Research Institute study into psychic ability and remote viewing and so forth. And uh, Targ told me that there is more evidence uh, that ESP is real than there is evidence that bare aspirin can cure headaches. I believe it. Uh, and he, he stood by that. Um, um, now, is, is this something that you are pursuing, Peter? You, you're trying to develop your own psychic abilities? Well, just as far as trying to improve my character, which um, unfortunately sometimes I really don't try as hard as I probably should. Um, all right. Okay. Know, well, I think uh, you could put all, a lot of us in that boat. Yeah. Well, I, I guess. Peter, um, great, uh, great hearing from you. Thanks for checking in from Buffalo. Well, hope we. Okay, sp- you're welcome. Hope, Take it easy now. Yeah. Bye. Hope we'll speak again. All right. Who's up, Tim? Andrew is joining us from Denver, the great state of Colorado. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Mr. Serrett. How are you? Oh, we are well. And yourself? I can't complain, sir. That's great. Most people will listen to you. Um, I would like to chat uh, just real quick about uh, the heightened military activity in Denver. Uh, Related to Jade Helm 15, or is this a separate issue? Well, it's hard to say. Um, there's just been a lot of uh, military aircraft, uh, F-18s, F-16s flying over. Um, you know, they aren't necessarily painted with Jade Helm 15 or whatnot, but I've lived here for 35 years, and 
It certainly has happened quite often, um, sometimes multiple times a day. Well, what what would be the, the closest uh, Air Force base to Denver? Uh, there's a Buckley Air Force Base in Buckley, right. Denver okay. City. Right. Okay. Uh, and, uh, of course, Colorado Springs is really big right. with the Army and Air Force. Okay. And so but, uh, you're, you're seeing a lot of flybys. I've noticed uh, a few convoys uh, on the highways, and uh, they're military convoys, and two of them have been carrying uh, big, uh, like, turbine propellers. Turbine propellers? Yeah, quite, quite big. Hmm. And what do you, what do you make of that? What is, what's going on there? You know, um, I'm, I'm as baffled as everybody else. Uh, you know, uh, I, I guess I could only imagine that they maybe set up temporary power stations for their big activities or whatnot. A windmill for, for a generator, to power a yeah, generator. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. Now, we've been hearing a lot of rumor, innuendo, and so forth regarding Jade Helm 15 and, and uh, the suggestion that somehow UN forces might be involved. Have you, ever, have you seen any markings on vehicles that would suggest... Uh, that there is some something substantial to that rumor that the, that the UN is involved. No, no. All the convoys have been clearly marked Army, and they're all in uh, U.S. Uh, outfits, uh, uniforms, and things like that. Uh, all the airplanes are clearly marked. All right, and um, I know that a number of states, including uh, Texas. Uh, the governments in those states have pledged to sort of, you know, keep an eye on uh, these military exercises, uh, hold them to some sort of scrutiny. What's going on in Colorado? Are there groups that are monitoring troop movements? No. Um, officially, I believe Colorado has dropped out of the exercises, and they're only supposed to be a support state. Um, but, of course, we think there's a small group of individuals here that, you know, have kind of taken it upon ourselves just because we're interested. And, you know, obviously we've seen a buildup of uh, other military that aren't normal troop movements. So we can only imagine that they are doing some kind of maneuvers here. And what do you, what do you suspect is going on with Jade Helm 15? Do you fear that there's something sinister going on? Well, um... Personally, I believe that uh, it's pretty much like they say they're doing, practicing new tactics. Uh, what those are, I'm not exactly sure. That's up to speculation. But I would imagine, you know, in, in, in my little village and what we talk about, you know, things like uh, kidnapping people in the middle of uh, large populated areas and seeing who reacts. And, of course, it'd all be role-playing, and all, you know, the kidnapper and the kidnappee are both role-playing. But just to kind of see how observant people are and things like that. Um, you know, there's uh, some of my friends that live out in rural areas are reporting of, you know, large amounts of gunfire that clearly are military. They have no idea where they're coming from. But that's not necessarily unroutine for 
be near a military base. No, I mean, we have uh, something like 1,200 troops uh, involved in Jade Helm 15. Uh, it is a it is a drill. Uh, it's a it's a military exercise. One would expect, you know, to see convoys of military vehicles. One would expect to hear gunfire, uh, and these these drills do go on uh, year in and year out. Uh, it's interesting why this one in particular has garnered so much negative attention. Andrew, thanks so much for checking in from Denver. Good to uh, speak with you. Yes. Good. Take care. All right. Bye bye now. All right, we'll take a quick time out, get back more of Open Lines to the top of the hour. A rare opportunity. Call in now. My name is Richard Serrett. And we are back. It is Open Lines. Let me give you the phone numbers. These would come in handy. 416-360-0740. That's in the greater Toronto area. 416-360-0740. And toll free uh, from just about anywhere, one 866 740 Four seven forty eight six six seven forty four seven forty. We have Wayne in Scarborough. Wayne, good morning. Welcome. Yes, good morning, Richard. Your first guest was very enlightening. I hope you have a chance to have him back sometime. We certainly will do that. Yes. What I'd like to touch on quickly, because I know you have some uh, contact there. This Greek financial crisis, it sort of bewilders me. Maybe I don't understand it. But <laughs> You're I know, not I alone, that. my friend. I think, I think everyone from the Prime Minister of Greece uh, to, the, uh, to uh, Ms. Lagarde at the IMF, <laughs> uh, everyone is scratching their head. Uh, I mean, I, I've been monitoring this very closely, the mighty Aphrodite and I, for obvious reasons. And it right. just it changes on the hour. Yes, what I want to pinpoint is uh, we know the people voted the referendum, and I believe it was 60%. Said. That's correct. And then the, the deal they've taken now is more punitive on them and punishing than the first deal. Yes, that is a head I'm wondering, do they, do they have some goods on the prime minister? I mean, uh, you know, um, I'm a bit of a socialist myself. Uh, I know they paint him as a communist. I don't really believe that. No, uh, no, Tsipras is not a... Whole, uh, a full sip- spin around now, and uh, it's, it's, that's why I'm so confused. Do you have any input on this? And I could take it off the air if that helps. Well, no, that's, you, can, you can hang in there. Well, just a bit of a background. Uh, Syriza was elected uh, in January on an anti-austerity platform. In other uh-huh. words, they were going to go to Brussels and, and put an end to the five years of austerity measures that have crippled the Greek economy. We have unemployment in Greece – around 25%, youth unemployment between 50 and 60%. Uh, GDP has cratered in the last five years. Right. Uh, and obviously, you know, if you were to uh, uh, imagine Greece as a patient, a sick patient, the, um, the program coming from the Eurozone and the Troika, as they're called, the European Central Bank uh, and uh, the, um, the Eurozone, uh, and the IMF has been to strangle this dying patient. It's not working. No. So Syriza went to Brussels to to put an end to this austerity. These were the red lines that they drew. Uh, and as you say, they came back with what they thought was the best deal they could get, but it was uh, more austerity, no haircut on the debt. In other words, they had to pay uh, some 300 billion euros back. Uh, and the referendum... Two-thirds of Greeks voted no. 
so Syriza returned to Brussels for more talks, and as you just pointed out, they came back with a deal that was 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 even harsher than the previous deal, and now right. we have Tsipras, uh, you know, asking for for Parliament to approve it, and they did. Although uh, about forty members of uh, Syriza's party uh, uh, rebelled and voted against it. Uh, but he had enough coalition partners and opposition members that voted for it. Um, I don't know that – I wouldn't say that Tsipras was blackmailed. I think they basically took him to the uh, the edge of the cliff and he peered into the abyss. Right, okay. uh, and it's uh, – as Nietzsche once said, if you stare long enough into the abyss, eventually it may stare back at you. The, the, um, the, the prospect of – uh, being kicked out of the euro, the eurozone, kicked out of uh, the euro, in other words, having to go back to the drachma, and there is no contingency plan, we're told. Uh, they have no drachmas at the ready. Okay. Uh, so we, we, we would be looking at, at least in the short term, would be a complete, complete economic cataclysm in Greece. Uh, you can imagine the potential for social unrest. Now, yes. So this is, I think, what happened. They, they, um, they thought that even as bad as this deal is, it's better than being kicked out of the euro. I don't happen to agree. I think, yes, there would be some very short-term pain. But there are historical examples. Argentina uh, in 1981, their, right. their peso was pegged to the U.S. dollar, but they accumulated some debt. Um, you know, They had the IMF there negotiating with them, and they decided – uh, to um, uh, basically to declare bankruptcy, to default. And they unpegged, unhinged the peso to the U.S. dollar, and their economy did. It went into free fall for a short time, runaway inflation. Uh, but within five years, they rebounded. They were an economic miracle. Um, exactly. <laughs> I think that is the only route out. I think uh, as, as harsh as he has been, the German finance minister, Wolfgang Schäuble, uh, has been the most credible, and he said the only, and he's been talking about this since 2012. Greece has to leave the euro. We'll give them some bridging finance. We'll give them some stabilization funds to help them, but they've got to. They call it the Grexit. Now they're calling it a temporary Grexit for five years. Let's be serious. Once they're out, they're out. They're not going back. Of I, course. I think that's. I think that's the only path forward that makes any sense at this point. Well, you've, you've enlightened me very much, and I forget your guest you had on, I believe, a couple of weeks ago. He really enlightened a lot of things, and this nonsense about Greek people uh, don't work hard and so forth, and this bunch of rubbish just painted to uh, um, put the money grubbers in there that want to bleed them dry, give them an excuse. So That was Greg Pallas. Keep, up the, good, keep uh, up the good work, and uh, we'll keep listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. Thanks. That was Wayne in Scarborough, I believe. Was it Wayne in Scarborough? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, the other the other thing that's that's happened is we are hearing just it's really it's it's hateful, it's just nasty uh, uh, comments from people in the media. Diane Francis, right here in, in in Toronto, I think has said some horrible things about the Greek people. They are hardworking, as Greg Palace pointed out. On average, the average Greek worker works more hours per week than a German worker. I'm not uh, trying to disparage uh, the Germans, but this, these are the facts. And the number one debt transgressor of the 20th century, they have been insolvent three times, is Germany, not Greece. 
All right, more of your calls, open lines, here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. My name is Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Open lines till the top of the hour. Let's say hi to Les here in Toronto. Good morning, Les. Hello. Yes, um, I just wanted to tell a story that um, Canadian journalist Gwyn Dyer told a few years ago. It relates to uh, Jade Helm, or at least I think it does. Uh, All right. A story that seems to have been forgotten by the media. Um, he apparently, uh, well, he, he well, he used to like to write stories, uh, military-related stories, and apparently he said that um, he had been talking to a number of top brass uh, in the American Army, and uh, he said that they had, uh, at that time, they were planning for a possible civil war in the United States uh, between Hispanics and uh, other Americans. They said that they believed that sometime, okay, and at the time they were predicting 20 years in the future, that um, that the military would be asked to build a fence along the Mexican-American border um, uh, keep uh, keep um, illegal immigrants out. And they believed that Hispanics in America wouldn't stand for it and a civil war would break out. And recent politics seem to be rather unstable, um, in that regard? Well, it's certainly an issue, illegal, illegal immigration and building a wall uh, on the U.S.-Mexican border, thanks to um, Donald Trump. Yes, it's front and center. I mean, he has made that uh, really the cornerstone of his campaign, and he is really driving the uh, the agenda these days. So this is this is a uh, very prescient. Uh, how many years ago was this that Gwyn Dyer was? I've been trying to remember, and you know, I can't remember. It's I think it was less than ten years ago. But if you contact Gwyn Dyer, I'm sure he'd be happy to talk about it. Nobody else seems to be talking about it. Right. But well, I remember this interview with him very clearly because I thought it seemed so odd at the time. Uh, they were, you know, they were planning so far ahead in the future, and it somehow the story didn't somehow seem plausible to me at the time. But as events are playing out, um, I suspect that the uh, American Army is worried, and uh, that this uh, recent Jade Helm practice is um, in preparation for uh, such a possible catastrophe. I am sure it's certainly uh, one of the. Um, scenarios that they are they are planning for a, a number of years ago. It's probably about a dozen years ago. I remember reading a um, it was an issue in, in in an edition of the USA Today. Now it was it was maybe on page sixteen. Uh, it was just a little story about an intercepted memo from two U.S. Uh, departments, and I'm not cer- certain which departments those were. Uh, but in the memo. Uh, it was suggested by one of the secretaries or undersecretaries to the other that in the event of some sort of economic meltdown or economic cataclysm, uh, that perhaps some type of SSRI, a secondary serotonin reuptake inhibitor, uh, something like a Prozac, uh, be added to the water supply in order to uh, calm the public. And I remember reading it distinctly. And it disappeared, of course. It was never mentioned again. And a number of uh, commentators in the U.S. also mentioned it. So this is a scenario they are certainly mindful of. Uh, And I'm not sure if that's what Jade Helm 15 is about. 
Uh, but it is curious that they are, of course, uh, one of the, uh, the, the scenarios that they're practicing for, or drilling, is the apprehension of dissidents. Well, and also, um, they're operating, okay, for the first time, they're operating in several states at the, time, at the same time, and they're all states that border Mexico. Yes. Now, the, uh, the rationale that, that we're being given is that the, uh, the southwestern United States, uh, because of the terrain, I guess it most closely approximates the Mideast. Not sure that I, that I buy that. The other troubling thing, Les, of course, is uh, that they are normally in these exercises, they will rename the, uh, the places, the locations that they're drilling or that they're, they're um, maneuvering in. Uh, so as not to, you know, it's a rather unsavory when you start talking about Texas uh, and New Mexico as hostile territory, which is what they're doing. Uh, and these are primarily red states. Um, these are also states also, that, have, that have been very active in, in terms of state rights, pushing back against the federal government. So all of these things are a little disquieting to me. Uh, there's also, an, um, an also a very disturbing angle that might possibly be part of the, um, uh, their concerns is the, um, it's been recently um, revealed um, that the FBI supplied uh, the largest drug gang in, uh, in Mexico with, uh, with, um, with huge amounts of uh, weapons and ammunition, purposely, well, well the, the, the uh, suspicion is they purposely did this so that one drug gang would win out about, among all of the others. Um, uh, and uh, the, the allegations are that this is uh, to continue um, this covert drug trade um, uh, through Mexico, the, uh, the so-called CIA drug trade. Um, Fast and furious. Um, yes, and, well, and also, too, is that uh, there's this amazing escape uh, by one of the... Uh, uh, leading uh, uh, drug lords uh, from Mexico. El Chapo. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, I kind of wonder now, did the CIA or FBI have something to do with that? Um, um, uh, this, um, okay, it's, you know, I, I mean, it's terrible enough uh, pro projecting um, or suspecting a possible civil war with Hispanics, but a civil war with factions in the Americans own government, okay, that's even, that's possibly even more disturbing. Well, I found it very interesting that uh, um, four um, members of the Supreme Court in the United States uh, issued a statement, and uh, this in, in um, not only with the, um, uh, the gay marriage decision, but also the um, decision regarding the Affordable Health Care Act and others. Uh, and their their comment, because these were the f four uh, judges in the minority on these decisions, were saying to America, there is trouble coming. They were talking about judicial activism uh, and um, warning about the uh, the increasing power of the the judicial branch. Uh, so there is a lot of a lot of little fires going on down in the United States. It's it is very worrisome. Uh, this is going to be, an, uh, I think, one of the most remarkable uh, election cycles in memory. Uh, and one of the interesting things about Donald Trump is, yes, he's bold, yes, he's brash, yes, he's very unpresidential. Uh, but because he pays his own way, 
and he's not beholden uh, to, um, to anybody about himself. He's going to be shooting his mouth off, and he is going to, he's going to be playing dirty. And he's, there, are, there is sort of this unwritten rule, I think, among the, the Republicans and the Democrats, because they are essentially the same party, I believe. Uh, not, you know, not to, uh, uh, to go too deep when you're attacking an opponent. Uh, he's not going to play by those rules. And uh, he's going to say things about Hillary Clinton uh, that are going to be very upsetting. <laughs> and the mainstream media, uh, you know, they're not, they're not going to be asking those questions about Hillary Clinton. You know, she gets a, a, an easy right. All the candidates do, really, quite frankly. Uh, but, but Donald Trump, uh, I tell you, don't count this guy out. This is going to be a very, very interesting uh, election year coming up. All right, uh, let's move along. And uh, Les, thanks for the call from Toronto. Robert is in South Carolina. Robert, good morning. Welcome. Yeah, hi. This is Robert. And glad to listen. To, I listen to your show quite a bit. And I just want to let you know, first of all, two plugs. One, uh, I'm coming to the exhibition next month. You're traveling all the way up here to see. uh, You're traveling. I've also got tickets to to the uh, your conference, so just thought I'd let you know that already. Uh, The oh, you're coming up to see George Norrie at the Queen Elizabeth uh, Theater. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay, well, George will be on the program next week. Great. Well, I'm sure he'll be great. Great to hear that. That's not my conference, but uh, I'll I'll be there as well. All right. How are you listening to us, by the way, Robert? Uh, I'm listening to Tune In Radio. You're listening to, to, uh, to on TuneIn Radio. Yep, it's yeah, station TuneIn. All right, it's not one of the local. It's not a, an affiliate in South Carolina. No, not that. I, well, I use the internet. It's an internet radio, so that's what I use. So, I see. Okay, uh, it's just as easy for me. It's a great great connection, and I have no problems with it. So that's Excellent. what I use. All right. Well, we're glad uh, to have you. Well, my question is, uh, I, I've heard that. Uh, we're supposed to, in the last couple of weeks of September, according to a lot of sources, uh, that we might be hit by an asteroid. Has anybody on the show or anybody that uh, you've talked to uh, mentioned that or have that? Or, you know, have, uh, you know uh, well, discovered anything about it? We just it? had, a, we had a, an asteroid swoosh by us uh, today, actually. Uh, yeah, 90 heard, million yeah, tons of platinum. Uh, well, a lot of people yeah. talking about uh, Planet X. Uh, which oh, yeah. isn't which isn't an asteroid. It may be a comet. It might be a, a, a brown dwarf. Uh, I mean, but that 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 rumor has been around for decades. However, yeah. um, a lot of people are saying that it coincides with the uh, the arrival of the uh, the Shemitah, the mystery of the Shemitah. Of course, uh, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn has been on the program uh, talking about this. These uh, mm-hmm. tumultuous events that seem to happen in seven year cycles. Uh, and um, the the arrival of Planet X just in time for the uh, the Shemitah. That's an interesting thing to watch out for. That's probably I what you're talking about. Yep, I think that's what it is. You're right. All right. So, well, we should do a show great. on Planet X before too long. Hey, Robert, great to uh, to talk to you. Thanks for checking yep. in from South Carolina. Yep, I'm looking forward to uh, meeting you when I come up to Toronto also. Be sure to come and say hi. All right. Thanks. All right, my thanks uh, to Tim Spreen, Albert Vinzel, all of you for listening at home. Back next week with a brand new program. As I say, uh, George Norrie will be here and Christina George talking about the dark side of the paranormal. Be sure to tune in. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.